Voice of Learning podcast produced by A Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburrow and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. Today we are going to talk about a huge topic, giving and generosity. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. And uh, I'm sat here with Amber and Greg. And yeah, we got this interesting topic of kind of giving, tithing, generosity, um, all stuff around that. Because uh, we were thinking, uh, I, was, I was chatting to Greg about this, like, you know, this is a huge thing. It's like on our website, it's a, a staple of what it means to join in with church or come to church mm-hmm. or, you know, it's like That's a normal, right. normal thing to have out there. And yet, um, we don't tend to talk a lot about what the Bible has to say about it. And so I was like, man, people may have all sorts of ideas about what this is, why we do it, how to do it. Um, and actually, the Bible's got a load to say about it. And it's really encouraging stuff. And uh, I don't know, sometimes, I don't know, hmm. maybe we, we feel a bit awkward as churches, like, oh, man, teach on tithing. People feel like we're trying to make them feel guilty or something right right well yeah they're often you know preachers or teacherly teachers are thinking like they, they approach the subject apologetically not like as in apologetics but like like apologizing for having to bring it up and uh <laughs> and make people feel awkward and uncomfortable right and even some some guys i know feel like it almost like they, they sort of take a hit in their credibility if mm-hmm. they just talk about money because churches have this sort of connotation, this reputation of doing that. Yeah, definitely. And so we've gathered up, uh, not as three people who are perfect at this and, you know, do great, and not to strong-arm you into giving. But Oh, that wasn't the purpose of the podcast? Well, not, we'll slip that in at the end. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but... We do have some passion of like there's some things in our story where mm. God's taught us some stuff, not just about giving, but through giving. Right. And so we're going to yeah share a bit of the things. Hopefully, if I don't know, there's ever been that point in a gathering where it's like, hey, we got giving bowls or like a collection plate has passed you by and you've been like, oh, this is weird. I don't know what's going on here. This will uh, be a bit of an orientation for you. So uh, I'm going to start with you, Amber. Like what's, you know, you're there on a Sunday. You're, I say you're giving. I don't know. I, I actually use the app. Um, so yeah. like <laughs> yeah. the, the physical right. act of like putting your money in a bowl has kind How of many gone by the wayside. How many people use checks that much anyway? Yeah. But imagine the scenario where, you know, you're, you're interacting with Jesus and with your church in that moment in the worship service. Like... Um, you know, what is it about your story and things God's shown you that's made this like something that you actually, I don't know, has value to you? Yeah. No, giving's so fun. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, so giving was a very um, common thing we talked about. It was just like you're in the church and you give. And there was a little bit of stuff behind it, but it was just something that you did. So I didn't really get a lot of because of these reasons. Um And then as when I moved out of the house, uh, it was like, oh, now it's on me to like choose if I'm going to give or not. Um, It's not my parents telling me this is what you're supposed to do with your allowance or with, you know, your part time job at the yogurt shop. Like this is now my choice and I was making more money. And it's like, oh, is this something I do? And I think that 
for me personally, I had to make, well, actually I'll get there in a second. Um, yeah, it, I think the more I, and I went to Bible college. So I, as I was studying the gospels and as I was reading about Jesus and just his radical generosity, just in, not even just with money, but with his time with people and his love and compassion, like it says in that he looked at the people like a sheep, like they were sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. And just that sort of heart that he had translated into, um, how he called his followers to live. And that not only did he call them to live generously, just being around Jesus made his disciples generous people. Like the people who were around Jesus, just knowing the kind of person that he was and the love and compassion he had for people just turned others into this like generous, had this with this generous spirit. Um, and I think for me on a Sunday, so to put myself in that Sunday gathering, um, before I made it my conviction that giving was important, I had to decide, I had to make that decision not in the moment because in the moment I felt like for me personally, there was like a lot of pressure of like, Oh gosh, like, do I give, do I give now? Like, I don't have, do I have my check on me? Do I want to pull out the app? And then when the moments passed, it can kind of like slip my mind. And then it's like, Oh, well, there's always next Sunday. So as I found that that became a pattern, it was like, oh, I'll just do it next week or I'll do it the next week. I'll do it. Yeah. It just became this thing where I'm like, okay, well now I'm really convicted that I'm not doing it, but I haven't made the resolute decision in my heart that this is what I want to do. So for me, it was this journey of seeing Jesus be compassionate and, and generous and calling his disciples to be that way. And so as I've gotten closer to Jesus, I realized like, and the church is his bride. And so realizing, oh, if I am invested in the church and his, and who he loves, um, then I'm going to give, but then also deciding before the moment, no, this is something that I do in my discipleship to Jesus, um, really helps those moments to not feel the pressure of, Oh gosh, what do I do now? But I know, no, this is something that I'm doing because I love Jesus because I love his church because I love, um, people, uh, that it's more than just like pulling out my checkbook and scribbling some numbers down and tossing that in the giving bowl or the offering plate or the, you know, whatever it may be. So it's, it's kind of like a combo of a couple of different things. It's interesting because for you, it's a broad thing where like the, something Jesus has shown you has given birth to this attitude, not just towards your money, but towards generosity as, as a way of being. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course there's little opportunities that may pop up, Mm -hmm. like to be generally like a family in need and you offer to go, buy groceries for them as like these things but there's also this like intentionality to like carve out an outlet for that generosity as a regular habit and rhythm that it can become a part of the way you practice your life Mm -hmm. i find that for me personally if i'm not really intentional about things that matter i won't end up getting around to it and so Mm. the more intentional that i am saying this is something i'm going to do helps me in those moments when it feels really difficult and feels hard mm. say like, Oh man, I really don't want to, but it's like, no, I've, I've set this, this conviction that this matters and that Jesus cares about this and that this is the kind of, um, disciple and follower that I want to be helps me in those difficult moments go, Nope, I'm remembering back and remembering the generosity of, I mean, for crying out loud, God giving his only son as a sacrifice, like that's the ultimate act of generosity. So if that's the God that I serve, I'm going to make that decision to be intentional about it even though it's not always like the most easy decision or the decision that feels the best, which I mean, it's just discipleship, right? Is making those intentional decisions um, mm-hmm. to follow yep. Jesus, yep. modeling, you know, becoming more like him. Yeah. And, and Greg's over there coughing for attention. So yeah, then, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what is that? So what, what about you, Greg? Like what, what is your story here of like learning about this? And yeah. 
You know, so I started, I, I started giving before I knew Jesus. And that was just like you, Amber, in the home. So my parents really taught us kids to set aside money. And back then it was, you know, measured in coins, right? So 10, and we did 10%. Now we can talk about that later. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, that's that's another topic. But um, as a principle, um, I, I learned to give regularly. And that became a habit. And I'm, this is, for me, like pre-Christian. I mean, it's a Christian home. It's, um, it, all the principles are there. But the reality of my relationship with Jesus really hadn't begun yet. And so, um, but the foundation was being laid. And so when the time came when I actually gave my heart to Christ, I was just pre-teen um, at the time, really just devoted myself to Christ. It, it moved for me from... Um, my giving became moved from regular to a sense of like responsive, hmm. um, and so so on top of the regularity became this this other element which was actually more powerful than just the discipline, and I think that you know both are needed when I'm learning to you know we're, we're learning to to give and, and model our life after Christ, but I I had a deeper sense that the, the what I was what I was doing was attached to who I was becoming. Hmm. And I think when those two things converged for me, something was like transforming in my own heart. And I was becoming a different person. And so although I was giving in a similar way, um, what was taking place in me was was entirely different. Yeah. And it was like the, these two things, like a habit met like the reason why. Mm. And um, that's a beautiful that parenting really thing, important. right? Yeah. Like a foundation was laid. Yeah. But it but then that that a seed was planted that when mm-hmm. Jesus came along could give birth to something really beautiful. I love that. The, the next transition for us was, uh, for I say us, because um, you know, when my wife and I were married and we moved up to go to Bible college and we were living on just pennies, literally like, you know, date, date nights were, were um, like we had a dollar, right? So, and that's not an exaggeration. So um, we were giving and we were giving sacrificially but it, but there was this sort of it, within the response became like this um, responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I moved from regular to responsive to responsible giving, and so it, it taught us because it was testing whether or not that was actually deep and real, or whether it was just a habit that we'd formed that we just haven't, you know, really, um, you know, maybe it's it's not as important as it as we think it is, and we and are we committed to it? And so that really was tested both for. Judy, my wife, and I at the same time in our young uh, married life. So that was that was actually the deepening of it and the cementing of it. The habit was there, then the heart was there, and then this this other element of like uh, that that came in that made it um, a part of our lifestyle mm. and our deeper values. So I know I just that's kind of our journey. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you actually use the word like as a response but it was a part of what you said as well amber like giving for neither of you was like a way to buy services from the church (laughs) or to butter up god or it wasn't giving to get Mm -mm. um and that's the interesting twist on this is like um i mean we'll talk about this throughout probably but there's like God can do something in your heart mm. where he creates within you a freedom to actually give away something valuable. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what God does. That's God's way. That's God's love. So that's a good thing. But 
if we're not quite there yet, mm-hmm. and maybe we're there with like our time, but not our money yeah. or some other resource, or you know, like it's a discipleship, you know, we we grow in. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a bit of a chicken and egg because for both of you, actually practicing the habit created space for you to learn the heart thing. And sometimes in our culture, we have this like, well, until you can do it like totally authentically and it's a total pure thing, don't do it. Mm -hmm. And actually, you actually got some of the, like there's a beautiful heart thing you get to express, but you got that heart thing grown Mm -hmm. through stepping into the thing the Bible said was a good habit as well. (laughs) So I I love these two sides and the way they interplay in both your stories. It's kind of like, you know, like giving would be in that scenario you're describing, like the cherry on top. Um, you know, it's 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 sort of the end game. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna get my authentic life all together. Then I'm gonna give, and it's gonna be real, right? Yeah. Um. And I mean, how many of us actually discover what love is all about that way? Yeah. I mean, think about even the relationships we're in. We step into it. It's messy. It's unknown. It's risky. Mm-hmm. We develop it. We forge it. We work through the hard and the good. We come to understand what the true love really is. We don't start with this perfect definition. I mean, we don't start, and then we come along later and say, okay, it's it's love. We've actually been sort of developing and discovering and defining that love all the way through the process. Yeah, mm-hmm. and of course, that's a broad all of discipleship yeah. right there's so many things like man prayer's like really boring at the moment or totally it's not not come alive to me or reading right. your bible like mm-hmm. so many of these habits is yeah, yeah it's an interesting one well, and it's funny too because i feel like sometimes and because i've done this so i i mean maybe i'm the only one but i feel like the passage where uh god loves a cheerful giver you know and it's like oh well if i'm not going to be cheerful i shouldn't give then and I think I've used personally used that as, as an excuse at times to say, well, I'm, this is hard, so I'm not going to do it until it's easy. Well, it's like, it's kind of like saying, oh, I'm not going to read my Bible until I have time, but it, but life is busy. So you kind of just have to make, make space for that and say, it's not that you're giving begrudgingly because there's obviously a difference between something being difficult and something being like reluctant and against your will. But it's like, I, I would be lying to you if I told you that every time, you know, my paycheck comes in or, um, something, you know, I, I get a sum of money that I'm like, Oh, it's so easy to just give it, give it back to the church or give it to God. Like mm-hmm. that's not always someday. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's not though, especially in really tough times that I know a lot of people are in with COVID. Like our money feels like I, I need this. Like, I don't know. Times are so uncertain. And I, I've been there. Like I am there <laughs> right there right now with my husband. So I, I don't think that God loves a cheerful giver means that we don't give until we're super cheerful because that might not happen until our circumstances make us feel like we're cheerful. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm giving because I know that this will help produce in me a, a yieldedness to the Holy Spirit and the work he mm. wants to do in me through my finances. So it's, yeah. it's this interesting. And if that verse wasn't in the Bible, you might be like, oh, giving's important. And you might never know that cheerful giving's possible. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of casts a vision. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is interesting in our culture. Like, I can't do the ideal version. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'll maybe that's just not for me. Sure. And it's actually, it's then how do you train for, you know, it's like, yeah, man, can you joyfully kick the football through the goal from the halfway line? You know, like we go outside and try that. We're just going to be frustrated, you know. But it's like, then do we just come inside and be like, mm. no, it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Or be like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I could train. Like, maybe mm-hmm. I could, you know, mm-hmm. do weights and practice and develop the skill. And like, yeah. it it's it's held out as something to desire, 
and then it's the rest of the Bible has a bunch more stuff to say to help us navigate becoming that thing, right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, and, and and Judy and I, my wife and I, have adopted this phrase that tends to find its way into all sorts of habits and of life, which is um, joy is something you choose. Mm. So uh, to be a joyful giver is actually a choice to be joyful in the giving. It's not I'm going to feel a certain way when I give. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not, so then I feel contradictory or, you know, like not authentic, unauthentic when I give and I don't feel joyful. So if it's dependent on a feeling, mm-hmm. you know, then that's, so that takes away that whole discipline. It's not just drudgery, but it's actually a, like, like God gives us the freedom mm-hmm. to make a choice, yeah. right? And, and part of it is to step into faith. So to realize that what I'm really doing is just giving back a small portion of what is all his. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. Well, I'm going to share a bit of my story, and it's uh, yeah. it, it segues a bit to like a Bible verse that then will invite, hey, what are some other like? Because we said, the Bible's got lots to say. Let's throw some of it out cool. there. So I, I remember being like a young college student, you know, without two pennies to rub together to keep warm. And, you know, uh, you're sort of poor and giving's not really on your radar sometimes. But I could, I could give some of my time because I had loads of time. And we were remodeling a church and I was a student at the time. So I, just, you know, I could help out. And, and I remember, and it's such a small thing, but you can see the effect it had that I can remember it like 20 years on is we needed like this bracket to mount something. And so I was like, I'll just, I'll go get one at the hardware store. And then like, instead of asking for like some money to go, I was like, oh, I've got some money in my pocket. I'll just go do it. So this wasn't even in a worship service, like Mm -hmm. traditional giving. I was just like, well, I'm going to go buy that. And then like go back and screw it in the wall. And like, and so it was a tangible practice of like, I took my resources and like participated mm. in like what the church was doing, what the church mm. was becoming and building mm. in a in a real tangible <clears throat> way, and um, yeah, it just it's interesting because there was a sort of exhilaration and excitement about being able to contribute and mm-hmm. join in. You, you know, you experienced joy in that moment. Yeah, experienced joy, and wow. and it it was freeing to i i mean you know growing up under the poverty line you know um and yeah giving just not being an option for a lot of our family history mm-hmm. um it it gave birth of a little bit of a like be super precious with your money mm. be super guarded with your money and maybe and a lot of fear and anxiety about money mm. And I, I think actually another thing that happened in that moment was like a, a fresh wave, like a realization that there was some freedom that mm. I didn't know about. That's beautiful. Mm. That I'd stepped into. Yeah. And, and it reminds me, so one of my favorite verses here is the end of Philippians, um, right, right in the last chapter, um, the last few verses, and Paul's talking about their giving. And he's, uh, I'll just read it to you. He says, hey, you Philippians, you know, at the beginning of the gospel, when I was defending it in Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you did. And even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once again. So they were giving, contributing to Paul. And then he says this really interesting. He says, and it's not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds 
to your account. So it was like, he was clearly grateful. It's like, man, you guys really mm. helped me out. You helped the gospel, like you helped the mission I care about move forward. Like I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. But then over the top of that, he's a, there's like, I know, some metaphysical reality mm -hmm. where he's like, because you did this, the thing that Jesus was doing in Thessalonica was now something mm. that you did. Yeah. And so you got to participate uh -huh. in the work and... And that's a part of like what I experienced in like buying a little bracket for yeah. $5 or something, you know, like, hmm. but, but I think that's a huge thing of, I don't know, sometimes there's a story told about giving in church where it's like, it's hard to get the language exactly right. Yeah. Like, thank you for giving, you're enabling the church to do these things. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, well, yeah. yeah. But actually what Paul would say is like, thank you, you're giving. You are doing these things. Yeah. Like it's even tighter together mm -hmm. than that. And that's real. And it, and then he says, to your account. Yeah. So God's like looking down, watching what we're doing, watching mm. the way we're being as people and as a church. And he sees that stuff and he's like, I, I clocked that. Like I marked that. Mm -hmm. I saw, mm -hmm. I, saw mm -hmm. where, I saw where you joined in right there. Mm -hmm. And he will interact with us about that action. You know, yeah. even though we, by giving, sometimes might feel like we're doing it really at arm's length, God doesn't count it that way. And so that's then really exciting um, because it creates all these possibilities to join in with things. No, that's, a, that's an amazing story. I love the way that you um, were describing the, the part where you realize that, that, that something transferred, something changed when you gave. You had the freedom to do it. Yeah. But then, as you look at that verse, you realize that it wasn't—it wasn't just in the moment. But there's something eternal that actually um, that was sort of fixed and counted. Um, yeah. And I thought I just think that's that's beautiful. And that to think that God, like a good father, is watching his his children, and like you said, Amber, like this this internal growth uh, and and joy that was building up that you wanted to actually be like your Jesus. Yeah. And and then and so so we start to look and act like him. I mean, what a, what better thing to put a smile on the face of of the Lord, right? To yeah. to see his children begin to to model his behavior. Let me throw another word on the fire here, which I know you guys will have something to say about, because part of that freedom was me transitioning from someone that saw the five pounds in my pocket as mine. Mm -hmm. To suddenly seeing the world differently and seeing my money differently as like, oh, this might be for me to buy a pizza for dinner, mm -hmm. or it might be for something else God's doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just, that wasn't, you know, as a young guy, you know, not from a, a particularly Christian background, you know, like the idea that maybe I was a steward of this five pounds, not the owner, that this five pounds wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. But it was for whatever it was for, and that and the possibilities might mm -hmm. be bigger than my culture and my norms normally dictated, right? So I think that's part of that freedom, and it's a real interesting one because that's a real like tweaks your perspective to think about your entire life. Yeah, I would say it's more than a tweak because I know just for like broader culture, I mean, we have money, and our goal in life is to what you know, go to school, get a job, make a bu bunch of money, retire, travel the world. Like, I mean, and a short, a short way of saying it, but like the goal ultimately in that is to like amass wealth for yourself and make your life easier and better. And so you can have the bigger house, the nicer car, the, the cool stuff. Um, and not that any of those things are necessarily bad, 
but that's kind of what broader culture kind of that's kind of what broader culture is Siri trying to chip in with some extra thoughts Siri has some thoughts no um (laughs) but that is like broader culture kind of trying to uh tell us that what is yours is yours like you work for it you earned it you spend it how you want you do what you want with it and so to then shift into that as a as a Jesus follower I'm giving everything to him. When we sing the songs on a Sunday, like, God, I give you everything. That means that I'm recognizing, wait, this is all his anyway. And that's a massive shift to go from, oh, this is how I build my little kingdom in the world to, no, I'm going to invest in his kingdom because it's all his anyway. And our measure of success changes. Instead Mm -hmm. of like, I measure success by how much I get, a steward like think about the parable of the pounds or the parable of the talents. Like they measured their success not by how much they walked away with, but by how much the person they were stewarding on behalf of got. Mm. So our, then our measure of success becomes like, what's the kingdom look like because of what I've done? And that's it can be really mm. hard too when it comes to our stuff. I When I was in college, I just... Before I graduated high school, I had this like really cool car that, you know, my parents bought me and it was like a nice little car, um, nothing fancy, but it was, it felt like it was mine. It was my first thing that I felt like I owned. Um, and then going into college with that, I was very, um, to put it bluntly, I was really stingy with how I used my car. And I don't remember who it was or what I was listening to, but I was listening to someone talk about stewardship and they said, uh, and their example was a car as well, their truck. They're like, Oh, I don't share my truck. If people need help moving, go rent a truck. This is my truck. And God spoke to him and said, no, your, your truck's my truck. So if someone needs it, you, you, you help them and you then go and invest your truck into their situation. And I heard that and it was, Oh, cut me so deep. I'm like, Oh man. And then there's me trying to like hoard my car. And I, you know, all my friends who don't have cars on campus, like, so obviously there's foolishness. You don't, you know, just go throwing everything away and letting people drive Mm. your cars and live in your home. Like it's not, not like that, but it's this, this is for me to help bless other people, right? That's what Abraham's call was. You're blessed to be a blessing. So what I have, even if it feels smaller and significant at the end of the day, I'm, I'm called by Jesus and called by the Lord to, to to let other people use it as well. So that we're, there's this mutual sharing because it Mm. isn't mine. Like sure. Technically my name's on the title of my car or whatever, but if my friends need a ride to the airport because you know, their spouse has to watch their kids, but they have this trip they need to Mm. go on. Well, yeah, it's going to cost me some time and some gas money. But at the end of the day, like that's what I, that's why I'm blessed with those things. I'm blessed to have a car. Yeah. It's not something, it's not a limo. It's not some fancy sports car or whatever, Mm. but that's uh, that I have it so that I can bless friends and those in need, um, with the things that I have, because like you said, Richard, they're ultimately not ours. Yeah. Mm. And that's the twist on that is, um, there's a, you know, as we get discipled, there's a version of being a steward or a, a reaction that's like, oh, that sounds threatening to me. Mm. But actually, the the only way you could have leaned into I'm a steward is to view your car as like, oh, it's a gift from God. Like, I, I need to understand something about mm-hmm. the fact that God's blessed me. Like, this is, you know, part of right. God's provision. Yeah. And that actually creates a freedom, but also it creates in you like tangible boots on the ground experience of interacting with God as your provider, which means when you're the one that needs the truck or the whatever it is, like anxiety goes down, mm-hmm. faith goes up because mm-hmm. you've experienced what it is to actually engage some trust in God as provider. It's a mm-hmm. muscle you've mm-hmm. exercised 
because we often think you can't exercise that muscle unless like there's some amazing story of your knee oh, which no. there's really cool <laughs> stories for sure but in giving is partly how you exercise that muscle and it's a really important one to exercise to develop that aspect of how we relate to god right mm-hmm. totally and i love the idea um of this being an expression of freedom i mean jesus speaks to this even on the sermon on the mount mm. when he says you got a cloak. Somebody says, um, you know, give me this garment. You take the other one and give that to them yeah. too. Not because you have a sense of fear or you're trying to do it in any way to sort of just deliberately persuade them, but because you can actually, out of freedom, mm-hmm. you're not a slave. Yeah, You actually have the freedom to give. And so giving becomes part of the culture in a whole number of ways. And so, you know, when I think about that, I think... Um, you know, one of the things we say around here um, at Westside all the time is that we are blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. So Genesis we're 12. not blessed to appreciate and benefit from the blessing. We're blessed to actually give it away. Mm-hmm. And a good friend of mine um, often told me, he said, you know, that the good life is the life that's given away. Mm. We want to live the good life, but that life isn't actually the, what we possess, but yeah. what we actually yeah. so countercultural, sort of isn't it? Possess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus says right. that. He says, you know, if you want to save your life, you are going to lose it. But if you lose your life, if you give your life, then you'll find For it my in sake, the end. You'll yeah. find it absolutely. And actually, that's so good that you say that about the Sermon on the Mount. Because as I'm turning to it now, um, giving to the needy is in Matthew six. And you, you learn about that, you know, you don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Um, but then right after that, it talks about laying up treasures in heaven and then not being anxious because the Lord's going to take care of your needs. So you're giving and you're storing up treasures in heaven through giving of your own treasures on earth to show where your loyalties lie, that I'm, I'm a Jesus follower, so I give out of that. But with that comes the freedom to know I'm going to have my needs taken care of that. I don't mm. have to hoard and, and store for myself. And, you know, cause he talks about the sparrows, they don't store away, but God provides for them. And, um, the lilies have are beautiful, but yet they don't, they don't toil over, over their beauty. And it's, it's just this rest assured nature that comes after like, God's like, no, you give Jesus is saying, no, you give, this is important to do, but you don't have to be anxious then about where you're at. So it's just funny. It's not funny. haha. But it's cool to see that progression in the Sermon on the Mount to see that Jesus is tying it all together, that you're not like, oh, no, I'm supposed to give and now I'm going to suffer. It's like Jesus has got us. He's going to take care of us and he's going to watch out for us. And honestly, that's one of the best things about being in church and being in community is often that help comes from Mm -hmm. those that you love that are close to you within community and within the church. Um, But Jesus says that when we're obedient and faithful and, and following him and building our house on the rock, like the end of the Sermon on the Mount says, that we're going to have all these things added to us when we seek first the kingdom. Yeah. So it's it's crazy to think that giving, which like you said, Richard, does this kind of like metaphysical, like spiritual thing that we can't really quite put our finger on, that that actually does have very real um a very real effect on then what we have to be anxious about, yeah. which is not much after that. Because and it's, it's countercultural in, in a, that like the culture can be really unhealthy. Like part of our fear about giving away and our security issues we have around money is we have a culture that values us feeling like we're independently self-sustaining and that's, that's the sort of ideal American, right? Right, right. And God says, no, actually you're better when you're vulnerable and dependent on others. No, and it's it's hard, one of those other things of like <laughs> when you give, you'll you're not just saying intellectually or like oh theologically yeah I know like I've written that in a notebook but you're 
acting out that reality yeah and making it a part of your mm. uh, the way you interact with the world and the way you interact with others and things mm. like that so I mean, anyway, so we're, we're kind of talking now about like what giving does like what it produces <laughs> yeah right um like so i got another one which is the encouragement of the stories oh like, right sometimes god and this is all through scripture but I'm going to pull out just like a favorite story because we're sat in a room that's just reminded me of it, right? So when we started AJC College, we had to renovate a room in like to work for it. And uh, at the time, it meant like moving a couple of walls and then putting new lights in. And then the oh, guy doing the work, he was like, oh, we're, we're in a bit of a pickle. The lights we've got in the room, uh, to do the renovation, we need like 16 more lights, but they don't make them and I can't find them anywhere. So either we're just going to have to put in different lights and the lights won't match, which, to be fair, is not the worst thing in the world, but kind of a bummer. Or we'll have to like buy all new lights and that'll be like $20,000, you know. And so it's like, oh, what should we do? And so we're sitting in the like, oh, bummer, what do we do? And then, uh, and this is when the offices used to be like over the road. Uh, so someone, middle of the week, pull you know truck and a trailer pulls in the car park and he's kind of wandering around mm. and carly who uh awesome human who was on the team at the time carly mcgill she like popped outside it's like hey you know, you okay you know like you lost or something and the guy's like uh is there, is there a church around here mm. i felt like i've heard there's a church around here somewhere like yeah this is this is actually it and he's like oh cool so he says you know i was uh, clearing out a barn on my property and God told me that there's some stuff I should bring down to you guys. Like, did you have you been to the church? Like, no. I just mm. I, I'd heard there was a church mm. down here, and God just put it on my heart. There's some stuff I should bring you. So wild. And, and at these moments, if you know, sometimes stuff gets donated to churches. And you're like, thanks, <laughs> but no thanks. And he opens the trailer, and there are 16 of the exact lights we needed. It's amazing. So wild. That's amazing. And it's like God gets to sometimes in giving, God gets to show off. Like, yeah, my spirit's doing a thing. Like mm -hmm. you've got a need over here and you haven't told anyone and I can tell mm -hmm. someone over here to do exactly what's needed and send, you know, and God just shows how he is providentially at work. Uh, and, and you know, that's the amazing story, but there's all this little subtle ones and, but all of that Completely. stuff, I think yeah. God gets to glorify himself, show up, like stir up our faith, encourage us, like it's okay, I can do this sort of stuff, mm -hmm. which we need, we need feeding. Mm. But imagine, like, if no one gave, like, a yeah. whole, like, such a huge amount of what we can see God doing, like, in our community and through our church. Because mm -hmm. when people give to church, the church gets to be that. Like, I remember one time someone came to the church in tears. And, uh, mm. you know, we were able to do what for us felt like a small act of generosity. And then we looked outside the window and there's this woman beside a car kneeling, crying with her arms in the air, just praising Jesus. And it's like, because of generosity, mm. you know, something deeply meaningful has occurred in someone else's life. So, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, there's a sort of effect on us, but if, yeah, just a God getting to show off in the world when yeah. we do this sort of stuff that I think is really exciting and important. So you go, I'm just going to drop that one out there. No, that's great. That's I, so Judy and I, um, another kind of early, um, earlier life story uh, back when we were, making $400 a month and and married life and renting a place and trying to pay for college and painting houses and 
yeah. and doing studies and all that stuff. And we were just barely making ends meet and, uh, you know, trying to keep our car running, all the, all the stuff. That, that phase typically... of life when you cut the paper plates in half so yeah, you that's can get it. more out that's of true. them. Yeah, just, just hold it with us. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so, but we kept tithing. And for us, 10% was just the, the number we chose, um, kind of a habit of ours. And, um, and we were like, I don't have any. And so often it would be this way. It's, and I can't even tell you how many times this happened, literally. And we didn't tell anybody else. But we would do, we would have a, um, uh, we just sort of do that before we even sat down to do our bills. We just said, okay, across the top, we're going to do this. And then, and then we would sort of squeeze out the rest of the month. And literally, like once or twice a month, there would be just like somebody came over to the house and here's a bag of groceries. And we're like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'd have $15 left for food for this next week. Somebody would show up with a bag of groceries. And so, and, and, and it wasn't some sort of little secret code, dropping hints, you know, like inside information, yeah. whatever. Um, and it wasn't always the same same people. And so it, we, what the end result for us was, was strengthening our faith. Yeah. So we make this. So we have this opportunity to actually step into something that is actually engaging with the spirit, and um, and then God in not out of obligation, but just out of joy and love, continues to help make the ends meet. He provides what we don't need, and we could trust Him even though we didn't actually see at the beginning. So, um, which reminds me of you know what. Um, what Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income so that your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that, you know, for me, that was, those are like moments of growth that you don't forget. Even though mm-hmm. they might, you might, you know, pile on a decade or two. I can tell you the details about that and what it yep. felt like when they showed up at the door with this bag. I can almost see the bag of groceries in their hand right now. Yeah, it's powerful. And and it's it stirs up your faith, but also when you're the recipient, because we had those times. You yeah. know, we were living on like ten pounds a month and eating yeah. a lot of oh, cabbage oh. and potatoes. Yeah, we and, you know, can like, relate to these things. <laughs> we had one you're time. Right. We had, I think it was like a gas bill, and it was like third reminder. And it was like, I can't remember the exact amount, but it was like £111.35, and yeah, some exact amount. And we were like, let's, let's not tell anyone, let's just pray. And then the next morning, there's a white, unmarked envelope on the doormat pushed through the door, and inside is exactly £111.35. Wow. There and to this is. day, we've no idea who that was from. Right. But, it's, but you will never forget that but, story. But in that moment... I don't know, because there's so many ways God blesses us. Hmm. And actually us realizing, we just talked about that, didn't we? When we realize God's blessing us to bless and he's giving us and he's our provider and it's a gift. But some of those moments where you, I don't know, live in a way that does risk a little and allow room not just to give but to receive. Like you get get to recognize, right? Man, God really wants to, like that white envelope on the door was like, God cares Mm. he actually cares mm. he came through he showed up right which is huge it's so profound good. so good and and to choose to live in a way that allows space for that so that later in your life that's what we found later in our life we look back at the stories like like uh, Joshua who had um, when they crossed the Jordan had all the rocks stacked up on the other side so they could tell the other generations about how God you know led them and protected mm. them and guided them 
Um, and it's in we ourselves, we've actually told our kids the stories and it's increased their faith. Yeah, yeah. 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 You get to pass them on to so many people. Yeah. So good. Another key one for me was Matthew six. Like, don't be anxious. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. And you call it your climaxes in this, like seek first the kingdom of God. Mm. Because God knows about all these other things, cares about all these other things. So good. And it's all very well to know, but to live and have experiences where God gets to demonstrate his care for you, mm. to live in a way that's a little more vulnerable. Um, is And it reminds me of like, I, I this is actually a good segue to like, how do you give, how much do you give, stuff like this, right? Mm-hmm. But like the widow's two mites. Mm. You know, Jesus watches this woman give a pittance like she might as well put dust bunnies in the offering plate it was, it was such a little amount <laughs> that's a graphic view but it was that's everything awesome. everything she had she was being a hundred percent vulnerable with god hmm. and jesus is like that's worship right there and just that's an interesting one you know we can our culture says like it's okay to give and okay to be affected by things, mm-hmm. but as long as it's not costing you mm-hmm. or as long as it's not costing you anything that matters to you. Hmm. And I don't know, there's just so many norms, uh, uh, habits of just what it's normally like to be an American or a Westerner where it's really easy to end up living and spending in a way that someone would look at what matters to you. And you'd be like, oh, rent, yeah, food. Like, you know, you list a bunch of things. Checkbooks and calendars sometimes and tell a like, better story. Right? Hang on, like, story. should giving, do I value it? Like, I'm doing this, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't want it to, like, erode something that really matters. But sometimes, I don't know, it just, giving comes late to our story. And, and as a latecomer, it can feel like it's always got to push something out us out. So mm. the how-to of stepping into giving sometimes can be really hard because... We need to learn about why this is valuable. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we won't do it. Mm-hmm. But part of learning is by mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can, you know, it's easy. I mean, we've probably all had seasons in our life, you know, and offering plates pass, and we, ain't, we can't put anything in. And you feel, like, ashamed. Mm-hmm. Or, or even just before God, if you've not done it, to start doing it. In order to start giving, you need to admit to yourself and to God, like, oh, I haven't been doing that. And yeah, so, so in some an, ways, starting giving is harder than telling yourself the story of like, oh, I'll deal with, I'm uh, not this week, but I'll, I'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because sure. when you actually start, you have to reckon with like, mm. oh, I'm going to call something I haven't done bad mm-hmm. and, and change my mind on this. So there's a, you know, it's one of those things like it is just a habit and it is just money. And, but some of that heart stuff and the way that the enemy tries to load shame on us mm-hmm. and guilt mm-hmm. as we think, and, you know, and and then overlay that with the, I haven't got much, I can only give two mites. And yeah, you might feel right. weird about that. And right. Like, there's so much to invite prayer here, to just be like, God, I need you to, like, speak to me, set my mind free in the way I think, set my heart free in the way I feel, yeah. to, to help me step into this. Like, so much of the how-to here is, like, some heart stuff. And... Mm-hmm. I know we're going to get to this, but I just have to tell this story. I'm um, just this week. Um, I'm, I talked to a couple going through 
an incredible um, like number, a variety of really difficult things. He's um, out of a, a out of a job. He's got um, some a lot of physical issues. Um, his w- wife and she was standing right there. The two of them. She's gone through a bunch of medical issues as well. Um, feeling somehow, you know, like isolated from those around them and, and stuck in this place and, and wondering how they're going to, you know, ends are going to meet and behind in rent and the list goes on. And what, um, what he told me with tears starting to well up in his eyes is not because he was feeling guilty, but because he was actually reaching deeper into his faith in this moment. He said, I started to give. And I'm thinking of all the times in your life when you could have come up with the perfect excuse, and mm. perhaps that's been a story. Um, I don't know. I didn't ask. But what he what he was describing was a step deeper in, in a moment when it would be so easy to take a step further out. Mm. And so he um, described how he was um, giving in without a regular income. He told me he so so money came in the stimulus check came in some other thing came in from um, unemployment. He said I'm I'm starting to tithe on everything, mm. and he used the word tithe. And I didn't ask him about percentages, but whatever that means, this was a new habit for him. And I just I looked at him with admiration and appreciation for the fact that what he was recognizing is that this isn't the time to to distance myself from God because He's not providing. Yeah, but to step deeper in because I realize that He is my provider, and we're going to put our hope in Him. Yeah, and I just love that. I thought, like, wow, I'd love to tell other people that story. Here, I get an opportunity yeah. to do it. I, I mean, part of the how-to here, practical terms. You, you almost bumped into the like giving, tithing. Sure. Are they the same? Are they? Yeah. So that's an interesting little <laughs> one of like, uh, I guess there's two questions because, yeah, uh, you know. Are giving and tithing the same? I think tithing is a way maybe to be like, yeah, one of the ways I'm going to safeguard a healthy stewardship relationship with my income is when I always give a portion of it to God. Mm -hmm. It helps set up, I I don't know, it speaks a reality over my paycheck, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But sometimes giving can look like, I mean, I remember when I was self-employed, and then sometimes, oh, we didn't get any income last last month, or you know. And then like, wow, got a bit. Oh, we can give to something. What should we do? Like, do we know anyone? Like, we'll we'll give some to church, but actually, there's this family in need, or you know, like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they can be a little different. So there's, right. uh, I'm interested. You know, does the Bible? What does the Bible say? Actually, is you know, how does it wrap some language around it? But then the moment the word tithe comes on the table, there's the sort of like. So does it have to be ten percent? Right. Exactly. Like, if I can sure. only give six, am I like a sinner? Like, what's the yeah, deal? Right. Or you I, know? I mean, yeah, that six six percent is that? You know, you're kind of a mediocre Christian. Yeah, you know, like ten percent, you're rocking it. So, what's like, what's your take on like some of the some of the guidance the Bible might give us yeah. on like, you know, if we're wondering like what's a good step for what what should it look like, how much things like that? Yeah, what do we? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, is, 10%. Basically, is it 10%? <laughs> uh, short answer is no. Um, we see that in the Old Testament, but it's it's kind of like there's lots of things we see in like the Torah, the first five books of the Bible that um, we obviously don't follow to a T. Uh, so no, it's not 10%, but I do think 10% is a good, um, 
I don't want to say starting places if like you don't have 10% to give, so you don't give at all. Like if you can't give 10%, don't, that's not what I'm saying. But I think it's, it's just an easier number to kind of find out. And I mean, especially if you budget and you're looking at, you know, your projected income for the month or whatever, and you see that number, 10% is kind of an easy thing to pull from that. And if that's just yeah, part I, of even what... Even I can do 10% maths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if like that's, if you're looking at it and you say, well, I'm at least going to give this because this is like a good starting place for me. And if I'm just writing it in with the rest of my budget of what I'm going to spend uh, this month, then it's a lot easier, at least for me anyway, to say like, okay, this is, this is where I'm going to start. But it also comes from a place of, because then when you get to the New Testament, so we see a lot about tithe and 10% in the Old Testament. Then when you get to the New Testament, the only time tithe is used is actually an indictment on the religious people because they're tithing, but they're not doing justice. So, which is a whole different conversation, but it's not, it's not this 10% in the New Testament. I mean, for some people, Jesus, I mean, with the rich young ruler, Jesus said, give everything. Right, and lots you, of the New Testament church did, didn't yeah, they? They, they, they sold all their land. Everything they, were like, they did. 10%, mm-hmm. they blew that out of the water. Right. And so it was like <laughs> this, it, it was just a radical heart of generosity. It's like you just give because it's it's an outworking of the fact that God's given so much to you. Yeah. That that's just what comes out. And so when it comes to like the how-to, for me, it's a 10% has just always been a good starting place. Um, and I can tell you this, um, my husband and I have four jobs between the two of us. We are not like rolling money where 10% is like this really easy thing for us to do where it's like, oh, of course, 10% super easy. 10% is a lot. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. It's not this small amount. Um, so this is coming from a real place of saying like, I want to model my life after Jesus. So when I take these tangible steps, I'm doing a tangible thing that is having a spiritual reality and a spiritual change inside of me. So 10% is just what I feel like God's put on my heart to say, this is where you start. And I don't know. And it's, it's interesting because generosity looks different from people person to person and in life season to life season. But I also find it really helpful when it comes to like giving to the church and, you know, cause this is a huge conversation too. Like how much do you give to the church? And then how much do you give to like nonprofits? And then what do you do give to like, you know, is your giving just to the person on the side of the road asking for money or like, what about your friends who need, you know, how do we parse that out? Um, and so for me, it's been great to have, like, I have a set amount that I give to the church, um, because the church, and, and this is something that I think we can model after the old Testament, the giving that was given to, um, the, the tithe that was given to the Levites was to the people that didn't have like another source of income. The Levites didn't have land that they were tilling and then selling their produce. That's not how they made money. They, they lived off of people's generosity. So when we give to the church, we say we're giving to God, but we're giving to God's, the people that God has called to equip the church. And so it's like people who not, don't always have a second income where they can, you know, go sell this product or make this thing. Sometimes Mm -hmm. there's, you know, the double, the double income for ministers and for, you know, having the church run, but it's like, we're giving to God, but we're also modeling this way that we see in the old Testament that those that were ministers, the Levites, they were provided for by the people who had, had, had more like stereotypical jobs. So it's like this interesting thing. That's like, yeah, we give to the church. I think that's really, really important. I mean, churches don't run unless we help see the kingdom. We know the kingdom of God, has, is further through the church and the church has to find a way to help tangibly meet the needs of their community, tangibly help meet the needs of other church members, 
Um, and so there's this really important dynamic of giving to the church, but then it doesn't have to stop there either. Like we have friends, bless them who, when, when my husband and I have gone through difficult things, they've given us an envelope and said, Hey, here's some money for this specific need that I know you have. And so it's like, and I know they also give to the church. So it's this, it's this thing where you're not limited Mm. to one, one way of giving where general radical generosity like that is something where you feel the free freedom back to freedom, the freedom to give where the spirit leads you to give. And then having that more set percent or set amount that you give each month to the church, just kind of orients your heart in the direction of giving. So then when another need comes up, you go, Oh, well, giving is part of my DNA. I, 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 I live to give and serve others. So yeah, of course, like I'll, I'll help you um, you know, I'll pay for a babysitter for you that day when I know you have this big event you have to go to for your work or, um, I will, I'd be happy to buy you some groceries this week or, you know, those sorts of things where it just is kind of part of who you are that it, it, because there is that more tangible percent or amount or whatever that you give regularly, it kind of, at least for me, I've, I've seen it actively orient my heart in a way of this isn't mine. I'm just going to have like really tangibly a generosity budget where I have a certain amount each month that I just leave open and say, God, there's this set amount. I don't know mm-hmm. what you want to do with it. Aside from giving to the church, what do you want me to do with this? Like, yeah. and then letting things, cause things will come up. You'll meet somebody and you're moved to, to help and love them through, through giving and, or, um, yeah, or you, there's just different ways yeah, that you yeah. can't predict. Whereas I know the church is going to be here cause Jesus promises that his church will, will prevail. Um, so I know I'm going to continue to do that, but then there's always these like spontaneous things that come up that it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give because that's just, that's part of who God is making me to be as, as Jesus's disciple. And we're going to run out of time here, but I'm interested because Greg, your role in the church is like, Mm -hmm. you get to play budgets a lot. I do. I do. You know, the 10% figure (laughs) in the old Testament was to sustain a 12th of the tribes. Exactly. not quite the 12th of the right, population yeah. but also upkeep of the temple mm-hmm. and its facilities mm-hmm. and um and our church staff are not a 12th of our population like it's it's not the same system so the 10 percent, right. the wisdom of it may not directly translate mm-hmm. but it's always interesting to me to think like yeah but what if you know mm-hmm. a 12th of the Jesus followers in this community were like a hundred percent invested and freed to, to build up the others. Mm. Cause then I'm like, Oh, yeah. well, Jesus had 12. Like maybe there's a ratio here where it's just like, instead of a question of how little percent can we get away with and run yes. on a yes. question of like, man, what would it look like if people did give more? And so yeah, so I'm interested right, like right. this, the way we frame like what's a wise number mm-hmm. or a practical number. Sure. Is, right. I mean, and and then you're like boots on the ground, having to. I mean, you see these practicalities sure. in really tangible ways. And there's universal numbers too. Like when you think about it, like right now, uh, in America, um, close to eighty percent of the giving in churches is given by people fifty-five years and older. Hmm. So you, we see a generational thing in effect. Whatever that means, you can draw your own conclusion. But it does tell me that we have a lot of work to do in developing the habit of generosity in younger generations. Yeah. Um, and where we've sort of fallen off the track of, you know, that it's, you know, we can draw other sorts of um, understanding from. But um, it, I, what I found is that um, the average giving in America is probably, you know, per like member ratio is maybe one to two percent. Yeah. Kind of averaged out. Right. 
but but all of the information sort of points to the fact that if if even um, half of the church gave ten percent, that we there's all sorts of community things that could be solved. Churches would not only run in the black. Uh, we would make um, more serious dents in things like poverty and other mm-hmm. kinds of social needs all yeah. around us as well. Um, so sometimes we we think more, you know, what about the church? It's for the church. Turn the lights on. Or I want to give to something where I have a lot of passion. I want to give overseas I wanna, because my heart's engaged in that. What we sometimes forget is that what God is really calling us to do is to make sure that, um, that we keep um, the, the, the sort of the hub, the central part mm-hmm. of his a mission in the church, Definitely. actually alive and well. Um, someone has said that the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home, and sometimes we, we get enamored really with all of that out there, but then we say, like, are we taking care of these things here so that that can continue? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I were to, um, you know, offer a thought, I mean, you know, when you look at 10%, and that's really sort of a baseline. Really, most scholars would say that um, Israel gave probably closer to um, in excess of 20%, 22 23%. A quarter, a quarter, yeah. <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah, and so when you look at that, you say, because there was so beyond the needs of the Levites who were mm-hmm. caring for the tabernacle and the, all that, that whole focus. Yeah, because um, they had tithes and gifts. And mm-hmm. then gifts and yeah. feasts where you give, and then they, yeah. then they portions of their grain and their crops were left for people in need and, and outsiders yeah. and all of That's that. That's huge. And so, you know, we if we live with that kind of a sense of generosity, imagine all the things that could happen. And it's not just this sort of um, this sort of you know what we can do to just help mankind. It's actually a part of like Jesus' big mission in the world to actually live out a different kind of way of life. Right. So that's contrary, right? If people were going to give, you know, I would say a couple of things just really quickly. I know we're trying to close. A lot of people who are listening to this won't be able to give much at all. Ten percent seems like a mountain they can't climb. Yeah. But uh, my encouragement would be begin somewhere, and then uh, just a couple of uh, basic ideas. Give personally. So be engaged in the giving, and don't miss that moment when you're actually giving, like we talked about earlier, joyfully and and with a sense of like personal mm-hmm. connection to what God is doing. Give regularly. So mm-hmm. pick an amount that you can give on a regular basis and form the habit, if it's not a habit already. And then give proportionally, because, you know, even Paul said in Second Corinthians, like, um, give according to how God has blessed you. So there's this sort of varying ratio that happens. As God blesses more, don't think, hey, good, I got my 10% check, now I'm going to spend the rest, you know, as I need it. But think about how you can grow in that, which leads me to the next thing is, is as we give generously and sacrificially, give progressively. Mm. Yeah, begin to kind of give um, and kind of set some goals to say, where would you like to be? How much would you like to give? Um, rather than how much more do we want, say how much less can we live on and, and live in, in a different way and experience that yeah. like dependence on God. Help to exercise that discernment between want and need. Right? Yeah. And our Savior, yeah. Jesus wasn't like comfortable. He said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So if the person were following lived very modestly, that doesn't, I, having nice things is not bad, obviously. Mm-hmm. Having nice things is not a bad thing. But yeah, like proportionately, not not saying, like just like you said, like, oh, now I have all this extra money. What do I get to do with it? But right. that reorientation of yeah. how do I live maybe more modestly so that those that are less fortunate and so the church can continue to progress the kingdom um, in my city, in my town. Just having that mindset that says it's not mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jesus, like, like, like uh, your initial story, you know, I've got this five dollars and I can go buy myself some lunch, or mm. I can buy a bracket. Yeah. I can go do this thing, and 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 
I, I guarantee you that today you wouldn't be telling the story about that meal. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to finish by because we mentioned a cheerful giver, and lots of what we've been talking about comes together in a few verses in Second Corinthians nine six. So we'll just finish with Good. these verses. Just awesome. like let these wash over you and think about these. It says, "Remember this: whoever sows sparingly mm. will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously mm. will also reap generously." Mm. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. So there's the how much. Go pray about that. <laughs> Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So there you go. There you go. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by A Jesus Church College, based at Westside A Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from, along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.